Hey, I'm Dion Greenwood and you are listening to the J127 Podcast. Eric. Yes. Welcome to the J127 Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Eric is a guy, obviously. Um, Eric is a husband. He's married to Erica and they have a heart for foster children. That's right. Eric, tell me a little bit about your family and the dynamic and the makeup of your family. My family, um, we we kind of have a big age difference in our family because my oldest uh, will be 21 this year. Um, then we have twins that are 16. And uh, we had started Fusco way back. We didn't think we could have any more kids. And uh, um, we ended up having three by ourselves. And then we had this lull. And then um, we took a little break from foster care and we came back into it. And we ultimately ended up adopting our uh, daughter, who is now four, from foster care. We got we adopted her from the NICU. We um, I got her as a baby, and we adopted her when she was two uh, through the process. So we have her. And so now um, we're a high-needs medical um, infant uh, foster home. And so we do that one. So we have this large age gap. Um, but the two different seasons, I think, uh, were really important. It helped us get a lot together. So if you have to timeline it, how many years have you been involved in this? Um, let's see. We've done it for about 18 years now. So you are well experienced. We've been into it. And I did not have any exposure to foster care prior to marrying my wife, Erica. Uh, she grew up in that environment. Um, her herself was in a home in which... Um, um, that family was a foster parent. She was not a foster child with them, but uh, her home dynamics were such that it was better for her to spend a lot of her time there. So she was exposed to that. Um, I had never seen it before. I didn't know what it looked like. She did, and so she had a real passion for it. And so she kind of drew me into that. Um, I walked into it with a lot of, I don't know, innocence or ignorance. I don't know. She's like, it'll be fine, honey. Um, and then once we got into it, realized, yeah, this is great. So you were one of those dads whose wife, I wouldn't say sucked him in, but drawn him in back Absolutely. onto the same journey. Absolutely. Um, the funny part was, is that, uh, years later and some training that we had, um, I was sitting there in, and our agency said, yeah, they go, we're actually amazed because you're actually involved. They go, we don't have that many dads involved in the process. And I thought how odd that was. I'm like, you have kids in your home. Like, how do you not be involved? Like, you're in the thick of it. Um, but I guess a lot of homes, that's not the case. The wife kind of does it and does the mom thing, and the dad kind of stays in the background. I saw it as a team thing, and so I kind of jumped in and held on for the ride and figured, well, we're going to ride this one out together. So tell me, you did say that you were registered as a high needs. Tell me a little bit more about... I need NICU care. I, um, well, prior to even being married, um, I worked in the NICU. Um, and so um, I, I, I had a career in medicine. And so I had a passion for the infants. Uh, I saw firsthand the struggles they had. Uh, more importantly, I saw um, how those in which had the right contact with parents, with caregivers, early on thrived. And those who did not, did not thrive. Um, so I had that medical background. And my wife, the, the, uh, the foster family in which she 
was with um, they also they they actually did adult foster care for high needs so these were um, adults who um, might have been on ventilators um, might have been you know severely impaired the family said we can't take care of them they put them into foster care and so that's where they were going to live the lives out so she saw from that end I had it from the other end the infant side so it just was a great marriage and a great match and so that was that was our niche and that's what we got into so you have to be specially licensed as such a caregiver um you you can be um depending on what you do um our foster care license does not look different with that it is just the demographic in which we take and we're equipped for that um and um the infant side and the child side, we were able to do much more smoothly. Um, that was what we wanted to do. That's what we knew we could do. I was comfortable with that. Um, so, sorry to interrupt you. So, you fostering children with medical needs. That's correct. Oftentimes, we pick the infants up directly from the hospital. So, they are born. Um, that could be drug addicted. Um, or they may have a medical condition might have been brought on by something that had occurred um, from something in which their mom or whatever was doing. Um, but at some level, they cannot be cared for at that point in their life by their biological parents, and that's when they come into our home. So usually we pick them up from the hospital. Um, we do take, you know, toddlers and stuff. So we've had, you know, those as well that have come in, you know, the, you know, um, your age where maybe but most of the time it's just infants and we do get from the hospital. So Eric, in the dynamic of taking in kids with medical needs, how does that change the dynamic of a normal household day-to-day um, -day running? Um, attention. Um, I, I think it really is, you know, anybody that's ever had a new baby in the house and you have children, you know, all of a sudden attention gets shifted from though, you know, from your children that live in the house there to the new baby. And then you bring a child who or an infant who has medical needs and that attention is even greater. And so there has to really be a balancing act and it is, um, it's easy to get things out of balance unless you're proactive and come into it and basically get everybody on board and say, this is what we're going to need. This is what we have coming in. I need everybody to kind of partner with this, but you're still going to have attention. And I think it makes you a better parent because you become very intentional in your mm -hmm. time and the quality you spend with your children because you realize that's that part you blocked out. Intentional with your time. That is very good. Yes. Very good. What is the, the challenges that you face? Just And, I'm, I'm, and I don't want you to disclose too much right. details and, and I don't want to say classified yeah. files, but files that obviously is ongoing and... Mm -hmm. um, I want to connect with a guy out there that is having a kid in his house, maybe with that, and mm -hmm. has the struggle, not making the connection. There's dysfunction with other families, and, and this guy feels a little bit isolated. I want you to maybe color in there for me. You know, from a guy's standpoint, um, whether you have a well child coming in, but more so if you have this, um, um, a child who's going to need medical care or needs more uh, attention, um, the more common response from the outside, from their peers is, why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself through this? Um, what's going to be the financial impact? Um, um, why, you know, 
why do you even want to go down this road? Mm. Um, and so a lot of times from the guy's standpoint, you can become isolated. Um, or, and this is a really bad thing that I've seen happen, or it becomes too overwhelmed for the dads, mm. and that saddens me. And then they, and then it sits on the mom's side. Mm. And they go into it as a couple, and they come out separate. And it's like mm. the mom's thing, and she's like, we agree to do this together, but it mm. becomes too much. Um, I think, in general, guys tend to want to be fixers. A part of a foster care is there's a lot of things that you can't fix. It is easy to come in and be angry. And if you have a heart for like the innocent, where, you know, the underdog or where maybe you see that underdog come in, you see this infant or this child that has this needs. And, and many times it was incurred because of a decision the parents made. Mm. And you want to be angry. Mm. Um, and that's where really it comes in the fact where you realize you're not going to make it unless you learn to walk into us with love coming right out of the bat. And you have to realize that you're going to fill in a role in this child's life. And this child can either see you hating somebody or they can see you loving somebody. Mm. And um, I always said, you know, they need to see that love there. And so it, it takes a lot of, you know, kind of working through it. And working through not being able to fix this situation, but being the best in that moment. Mm. And I'm talking now from a from a standpoint of physical medical needs. Mm -hmm. You have other trauma and abuse in the yeah. system right. that that brings another dynamic as right. to you know physically abused mm -hmm. stuff like that, and dealing with with the trauma of that and that disconnect. You want to fix it in the moment. And you are brought up against that cold, hard reality when you look in that child's face. When you, um, you know, when you give them their bath and you see the injuries on them. Mm. Um, or, um, well, I'll give you the case of our daughter um, that we adopted. We adopted her, like I said, you know, two years after we brought her in. Um, she was uh, addicted to six different heavy narcotics. Um, now, I had had exposure to detoxing through my medical work. We detoxed her at home. Mm. And if you've ever, um, if you've ever seen an infant detox, it is one of the hardest things you ever see because all of the nerves are turned on. Their entire body is in pain. And it's not just for a short period of time. And there's wow. nothing you can do to take it away. And they basically are they're in this severe pain and then they're in this severe mental state and, and you're trying to comfort them. And all they do is they are, they're just rigid and they're shaking and they're crying uncontrollably. And, and then when they run out of energy to cry, they just shake. Um, and you want to fix it. And the fix for that moment is you just love them and you hold them mm -hmm. and you rock them. Um, and that's what my daughter, we went through for many months. Mm. And each day got a little better, but it's a rough road to see that. And so that's where like your children will see this mm. and they have to understand we're going to make it better, mm. but it can be difficult on them because even logistics, they're like, I have a baby that's crying all night long and mm. they want to get sleep for school or, mm. or whatever. And it's just that Good point. part of going, we're going to work through this. And I'm sorry guys, you know, here, mm. here's some noise cancellation headphones. Mm. Um, Practically. 
that's what you have to do. And you have to go, okay, are you okay, guys? You know, um, and it takes a toll on them to see mm. that because it is some severe pain that they mm. will sometimes see in you. You have to make sure you acknowledge that and mm. realize they see more than you realize they see. Mm. They see those injuries. They see those bruises. They see those cuts. They see mm. whatever it may be, or they see that baby who's just not okay. I I can remember when um, we had Tammy. Tammy was one of those babies that never slept. Lizette was up like every 30 minutes, every 30 minutes. And going to work at 5.30 in the morning, I sometimes don't even know I got to work. Um, and, and this was coming out of a normal pregnancy um, with no complications. And, and I can really feel that there's guys out there that, that is in this pit with dealing not only just with a little one, but with a little one's trauma. Right. And that can be very overwhelming. Yes. You touched on something that's, you know, very logistical and just very practical is the fact is that if you have this child up all night and then you have this dad, you have these parents, they go, well, we've got to go to work. Mm. Um, um, and they're like, well, I got to get my sleep. But then there's that guilt that comes in going, well, I want to, I want to help my wife out. Mm. Um, and that's where in a marriage you have to have those real honest conversations to go, okay, how can I help you? And here's what I need logistically. What do you need logistically? And we're going to find out a way to do this, whether that is, hey, um, let me take two hours. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to do better if I can get four hours of sleep before I have to wake up. Um, and you know, another one might say, Hey, I'm okay. If I can get some sleep early on the night and then I can get up and take the early shift, mm. those kind of talks, it's easy many times for the dads to disengage. Mm. Um, and sometimes there's that whole kind of nurturing thing of going, well, I'm not really a nurturer. I will say this unequivocally, dads make the best entities for babies mm. um it's easy enough for hold them um, we're, we just have bigger arms whatever mm. we can rock them and i think there's that stillness and that mm. confidence that comes across and they feel safe mm. um we can just kind of chill and they and that comes across and they don't feel that stress there and that's why i always mm. encourage dads to get involved if you don't think you can do this just hold them mm. You're you're going to bring a different perspective, and they're going to recognize that, and they're going to respond in a positive way. You know, as I was sitting here, I believe the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart just a um, a thing out there in the sense is like, imagine this kid net don't sleep, and you're going on for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time, mm -hmm. and then we come back to family and marriage, and um, I would say our need as dads to have intimacy um, and stuff like that but i know that when we went through this phase you know my wife was not in the mood that's correct most of the times because of lack of sleep all the pressure at home um, and and i have this um i would say anticipation that like Tonight is the night, and right. then tonight doesn't happen, and then That's tomorrow correct. night is another night. And then I can easily see how a guy can get down this road and say, well, 
I'm gonna go and do something that I shouldn't do, uh, or I go get in, hooked into pornography, or or something like that to right. to bridge the gap, to soothe your own conscience, or stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. I wanna. I I feel that in in this dealing with this situation, that this would be a real battle or a real attack coming to us as dads. And I'm not saying moms don't have it. No, but you're spot on. Um, no, no, you're spot on in that because um, moms are, um, they just tend to be coded such that they are going to do whatever is needed to meet the need and what's put before them. And there's that nurturing piece that's in place there. And they will nurture as much as needed to nurture and however long that takes in the day they're going to do that so if there is that going um i feel neglected i i don't have the time it's just husband and wife together mm. that's where proactively is that mm. you have to step up going you know what i'm going to take the child and i'm I, you know um you know I, i'm, I'm going to block up this piece here mm. i'm, I'm going to take this off your hands and many times blocking on that piece gives them that rest there. Mm. They go, you know what? I now don't have to focus on them. That's enough for me to, you know, now, now I have time that now we can be husband and wife. We, 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 right. we, we can spend time together. Right. Um, and that's a part of the intentional piece. It makes you a better, uh, it makes you a better husband, makes you a better wife because you have to block your time out. Mm. Um, so you have to be diligent. You do. Your time. Quality time. That is a big thing. Quality time is what you learn to do if you're not doing it already. With that, I want to roll into support. Mm -hmm. What does support look like at your household? In the sense of you have somebody supporting you to give you that hour, two hours of time. Um, you have a network of people around you that step up. What does that look like for you? You know, um, it is... We we do not have a, 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 a large network um, in there. A lot of times we depend on other foster homes, a lot of foster parents, because it's things in which people outside just don't understand. One of the hardest things that I think uh, a lot of foster homes have this one is that you will have family that are going to go, why are you doing this? Mm. We cannot walk this journey with you. Um, this is too much for us. We don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Um, and a lot of it just comes down because they just don't understand that unless the, that family is aware or your extended family is aware of what foster care looks like. They go, this is your own journey. You're going to make this alone. Um, and so it's key that you form that network around you. Um, but oftentimes that network has to come from areas that maybe you did not have in place with your biologic, or, or it's mm. different, I should say. People who may have been there way, w with your biological children might not walk this journey with mm. you with foster care, and you've got to be prepared for that. But you're going to meet new people, so I think it's important to network. So ours, we do have people. We have people that are in foster care. We have um, um, we have neighbors who you know are able to, uh, they go, look, we can offer this piece here, or... We, we stand with you. We're, we're going to pray for you. Or, mm. you know, we can be a sounding board just when they're frustrated because there's a lot of frustration. And you just want to talk to somebody. 
Um, and that's a huge thing. Mm. That is very good. I touched on uh, how important is family. Now, obviously, you've, you, you've touched on that some of your biological family is not willing to go down this road with you. But then one have church family and friend, fa- if I say yes. uh, spiritual family, if That's I can correct. call it that way. Yes. Um, and you have guys stepping up and, and coming alongside you. Right. There is a, I will say this, which is sad. I would, um, it's something I, I want to change is that there is a lot of support for moms in mm. foster care. There is not a lot of support for dads. Um, and dads kind of, we, we feel as though we've got to be strong mm. and we take this weight on our own and we tend to suffer silently in pain. Mm. I, it's no way to put it. And you just, you want to be strong for your family. You want to be strong for your wife. You want to be strong for the children in your home. And, and so you put up a front. And that's dangerous because that can really take a toll. Mm. I, 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 I've done it more than once. And it chips away at you, and eventually you reach a point to where you break. Um, and then you all of a sudden you start having a conversation with another family or whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, the dad says, wow, this was tough. Have you ever felt this way? And you're like, well, yes, I, 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 I have. And they go, oh, I thought I was alone. And you realize that you all mm-hmm. go through the same thing. You're all going through the same feelings. You're all going through the same helplessness there of going, I'm it. I've got to keep my family together mm. if this goes sideways. Um, and that's where if you form that network ahead of time and you realize that everybody's in the same boat, then it's this weight off of you. And you're like, okay, I can do this once I know that I'm not out there. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm not on this island that if things go bad, I'm going to drown. Mm. And sometimes it feels that way. That is... Absolutely spot on. And that was pretty much why J127 was birthed. I felt the same way that we're on this journey and I don't see anything out there to encourage me as a dad. Um, And that's pretty much how the J127 podcast started in this space, um, having something for dad saying, listen, you're not alone out there. This is not something that you should face by yourself. Uh, and we've had some good guests on here that gave amazing nuggets of get professional help, right. uh, your table of support. How does that look? Uh, identity, who we are as dads, uh, stuff like that. So, um, you know, we are good dads. We are the ones that pick up the ball that other people dropped. That's correct. And sometimes we are so hard on ourselves that we think we're dropping the ball, but if you look at the big picture is that these kids are so much better off in the current environment in right. our homes as to where they were. And again, I'm not knocking any bio parent here at the moment. I'm just saying that for a kid to be removed from a biological family or a foster home because of neglect and abuse, and they placed them in a house of safety or with foster right. parents, it is because of the best interest of the child. That's correct. And as dads in this space, we fulfill that position of safety, providing security, and we're doing a good job, although sometimes the enemy comes with a lie that we suck at it. That's correct. And we believe the lie because it is hard. Right. It, is, it is extremely hard that we go through things and, 
and we 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 shoot ourselves in the foot with a thought like we're not um, good enough. Right. So, by that said, what frustrates you in this or on this journey? Honestly, it is the administrative side of it. Um, when you become a foster parent, you know, you're wanting to change a child's life. You're, you're, you're seeing that person there. And when you see them through the legal process and through the administrative process, and they're a number, they're a case number, mm. they are a, um, they're just a last name. Um, and you see the decisions that are made for them are made not knowing them, mm. but rather they are a commodity um, that has to be managed. And there's a clock on everything that's running. How long have they been in this situation? Okay, we got to move to the next stage. Whether that is a healthy move or not, many times is irrelevant. Mm. Um, they're trying to, uh, depending on what the current demographic is with, um, uh, with municipalities that you're involved with and what state and whatever, there's timelines they go we need to get these children moved out of their current legal state into this next legal state and their cases get shuffled there mm. and you go but this is not in the best interest of them and you realize that they're just a number in the system and you're trying to give them a face and you're trying to represent them and you're trying to stand before the judges and you're trying to stand before the attorneys and go this is a little person and I understand that for all this adults, it's going to be really easy for everybody to do X, but they need Y. They're not ready for this mm. or they need something different. I understand it's inconvenience administratively, but this is what they need in this moment. They need stability here. They need not to be disrupted from, you know, this school or they have these friends they have to work with or, we just need more time. Mm. I think that's a lot of times. We just need more time to get over this hurdle. We can't rush that. Um, and that's what's disheartening because you battle it and you end up protecting them from the legal entities that surround them, the, 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 the process. I, mm. I think that's really it. You really work to kind of front it. I kind of feel as though um, like there's this fire. And you're always putting them behind you and you're taking the heat mm. and you're taking everything that's flying there and you're trying and you're kind of young over your shoulder going, it's okay, dear. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice warm day. Just relax, <laughs> just play. And you're coming on and you're getting scorched and you see this ball of fire coming towards you like, I'll catch this. Like, it's okay. Daddy's okay. Because you're wanting them to have a normal life. Mm. You're wanting it to be fine because you're trying to shield them from this because you, you you don't want them to feel like they're not valued. And the one thing, at least for us and for me, is that I is is I want to return their their their, their normal state. Mm. I never want them to feel as though they're a different. And a foster child is a very different child. Mm. You remove everything from them that makes them a kid. They go well. I'm. I mean, they, it says on the paperwork, you're a ward of the state. Right there it says, I'm not part of a family. Mm. I'm just 
part of a legal. I'm, I'm part. I'm a. I'm a part of a court, and that's my family. That mm. that's who I belong to. So you give them that belongingness because they need to be able to cope. So you want to protect them from that, and that's mm. the hardest part probably mm. to deal with. Sure, Eric. Thank you very much for your time. Um, I think in closing, what advice can you give to a dad on this journey in the trenches with his elbows in the blood and guts? Get involved, um, and more importantly. F- if it makes you angry, that is your passion. And don't push that off. Go, I'm going to work. I'm going to fight through this one. As dads, I think we're really strong in a lot of areas that maybe our, you know, the, the moms might not be strong in or, or we're able to, sometimes we're able to go kind of ultra logical on stuff. Mm. And sometimes you need that. And we can pick up weights that to others may be really heavy and they're really light for us to carry. Mm. And we're able to bring a balance to that. Um, and then we're able to take that and we're able to fight for the innocent. I think that's the biggest part. And we're able to make a difference and be a voice and we're able to stand up. I think for a lot of us guys, we can turn our emotions off pretty easy. And there are moments where the best thing to do is you turn your emotions off and you've got to think with an absolute sterile, straight, logical mind in that moment to make the right steps because mm. you're in a bad spot and you're like, I'm picking the lesser of two evils and I need to make an educated decision. Mm. And sometimes us dads, we're the best option for that. Our wives go, what do I do, honey? I don't know. They're crying. They're like, I, I love this child. I don't know what we need to do. And we just have to go, okay, um, we got this, honey. Mm. And here's the facts. Let's talk through this. And then it comes to light. So that's the asset we bring. I think it's important for us to be there. Mm. Well, Eric, thank you so much for blessing me with your time. Thank you for um, bringing some words of wisdom. Let me close us in prayer. Father, I just thank you for Eric and Erica and the amazing work that they do for your kingdom. Lord, where others run away, they run to it. They sacrifice of their time and their finances. Lord, thank you that you will return that to them multiple, shaken over, pressed down, overflowing, Lord. Let nothing contain the blessing that you have for them. I pray for every guy out there listening to this. Father, I just thank you that it will be a word of encouragement as that we are not alone and that we are fighting the good fight because you have given us this instruction to care for the widow and the orphan. Lord, we just love you and we praise you and, and, and we ask for supernatural equipping in our hearts, in our families, that we as dads will be alert and that we will see it for what it is and that we will look at it through the lens of mercy and grace. We honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Eric, Amen. thank you so much. I, I really, thank there's not enough me. words to say thank you for coming up. Um, and and, and just encouraging guys out there because this is what we need. We need guys to stand and lock arms together. I fully agree. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege. Thank you.